Good morning. My name is J.D. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of John. It'll be in John chapter 8 this morning. If you do not have a Bible of your own, uh, there should be one up under your seat or the seat in front of you. Uh, feel free to grab one of those. Uh, hopefully there'll be one close by and around. And uh, if you do not have a Bible that is yours, uh, feel free to take that with you. Feel free to uh, take that with you. So I want to start us off this morning by asking a question for us to ponder. Have you ever underestimated the seriousness of a situation? Have you ever underestimated the seriousness of a situation? Maybe it was an opponent in a sports ball game that you underestimated, who was better than you thought, or maybe we live in an area that gets a pretty substantial amount of hurricanes, maybe you underestimated the, uh, the call to, to leave an area or board up your windows uh, and didn't take it serious enough and weren't as prepared as you should have been. I know that many times in my life I have underestimated the seriousness of a situation. But one situation that I will never forget and definitely underestimated the seriousness of the matter happened to me when I was in middle school, of all places, right? Uh, there was a group of about four to five boys hanging out in a hallway together. Uh, as usual, we were cutting up and other shenanigans uh, near our lockers, I'm sure. Uh, I remember in the middle of our talking uh, that uh, we started to, to wrestle and play around with one another. And so uh, there was, there was five, four to five of us again, and the smaller one of us, uh, I just started to wrestle and mess with and pick on. And he said, hey, man, if you don't stop, I want to punch you right in the mouth. And I said, I said, you're not going to punch me in the mouth. We're friends. And so I just kept doing what I was doing. And uh, a second warning came that said, hey, man, if you don't stop, I'm going to punch you right in the mouth. And I said, dude, you are not going to punch me in the mouth. Like, I don't even know if you can get up that high. I was a little taller than he was, you know. And, uh, and so we just kept joking and playing. And so, again, I kept going. And he said, dude, for a third time, he's like, man, I'll tell you, if you don't stop, I'm going to punch you right in the mouth. And so, again, I, stepped doing, I kept doing what I was doing, and all of a sudden, bam, right in the mouth he punched me. I should have thought coming, right? I mean, he warned me three different times. And uh, I remember uh, two, uh, probably three different uh, distinct things that I thought of Uh, in that moment. Um, The first thing is this. That's the hardest my group of friends have ever laughed, right? Uh, That was for us in that moment, the fact that he jumped up and gave me a right cross right in my jaw was pretty pretty funny to all of us, right? Uh, The second thing that I remember is that he hit me so hard uh, that he knocked one of my loose molars out. And so I spit out my tooth uh, in front of all the guys, which made it all the more funny, right? So we're, we're sitting there in the hallway, and we're laughing, and here I spit out a tooth that was loose. But the third thing that I remember, and probably the thing that we, we need to remember, all of us, is that someone warns you that many times to stop doing something, you should probably stop doing it, right? If you get warned that many times to stop doing something, you should probably stop doing it. And that's the, that's the message for us this morning, is that we have been warned by Jesus of what it means to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
what it means to believe in who he is as the Messiah who has come into the world. Over and over and over again, we have been reminded by John to believe that Jesus is the Christ, to believe that he is the Son of God, so that you may have life. That is over and over and over again, we have been warned by John to to do this, and by Jesus himself. And today, that narrative is going to be no different as Jesus seeks to warn the crowd that he's talking to, to to his Jewish audience today, that we will see him warning the crowd over and over and over again, despite their opposition to him, despite their, um, their arguments to who they are and their rightful place uh, in, uh, in the kingdom, uh, that he will remind them over and over again of their spiritual, um, of their spiritual, where they lie spiritually in front of a holy God. So let's read together John chapter 8. We'll start in verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, but I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of the people of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither my, me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below, but I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, You will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. Have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, "When when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whomever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan? Have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he, he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him, but I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's pray. Jesus, this is your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand it. Lord, I thank you for just the opportunity to uh, just to read your word, to to preach your word. So, Lord, I pray that the words that I might speak would be from your Holy Spirit. Lord, for those who are here present this morning and for the many who are watching online, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in our worship of you and our understanding, our listening and our attentiveness uh, to what you have to say to, to us this morning in, in your warning uh, in your, in your, and helping us to understand uh, your word given to us. And it's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Uh, one thing I, I kind of want you to remember this morning is this, that if you live in your sin, if you live in your sin, you will die. If you live in your sin, you will die an eternal death. But if you truly believe in Jesus and abide in him, you will live an eternal life. If you live in your sin, you will die an eternal death. But if you truly believe in Jesus and abide in him, you will live.
Three points this morning that I want to draw out of our text are these. The first point is this. Sin will destroy you. Sin will destroy you. We'll cover this in verses 12 through 29. 12 through 29, sin will destroy you. My second point is this. Believing in a cheap grace gospel does not save you. Believing in a cheap grace gospel does not save you. We'll be examining this from uh, verses 31 uh, through 47. And then my third point is this one. I'll repeat them again later. Abide in the truth, and the truth shall set you, shall set you free. Abide in the truth, and the truth shall set you free. This will be in verses 31 and 32, and then 48 through Sorry, 48 through 59. We'll see those in here. Sin will destroy you. Jesus starts off here again speaking to the Jews in uh, the treasury, in the temple. And as he's speaking, we can recognize that there are some Pharisees here. There are some uh, leaders of the Sanhedrin, I'm sure. There are those who are Jews in the audience. And he again repeats himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This goes back to John chapter 1, where again he tells, the, uh, John introduces who Jesus is. In him was life, and the life was light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we still see this continual language of the light coming into the world that removes all darkness, that erases and eradicates all of sin, that through Jesus we see the light. In, in verse 5, verse five of chapter 9 of chapter 1, it says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And so John is saying to us that Jesus is coming into the world. He is the light of life. But the Pharisees, they call him out on this. They say, listen, you are not the light of life. You are not light in darkness of men because you only give testimony from yourself. Our law says that, no, you can't give testimony to you about yourself because there must be two witnesses that give testimony to who you are. To which Jesus responds, you judge according to the flesh. You judge based on outward appearances. You miss the point that this is an inward change wrought of the heart and not an outward appearance. This mostly Jewish audience cared only about who they were on the outside, not what they were on the inside. And all of Matthew 23 where Jesus condemns the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders is written in light of this outward appearance. That I look great on the outside, but inside I am dead in my trespasses and sins. And so this is what Jesus is trying to point back to them. That I don't bear witness about myself. That no, I, that, that I, the, I and the Father bear witness together. Verse 18. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So we have two witnesses, I and the Father. And they said, where is your Father? Who are you? And over and over and over again, as we've been reading the book of John, he's been reminding them that I and the Father are one. 
You know neither my, neither my father, verse 19. Because if you knew me, you would know my father also. He later, he later goes on to say, if you knew my father, you would know me. We're so tied together that you should know and recognize that I am the one that has been from the beginning, from the all time to now, that the one that is the promised Messiah, the anointed one that would come, the one who would crush the head of Satan. That I am He. And I warn you in these things that if you knew me, you would know my Father. Then in verse 21, He says, I am going away. I'm leaving you. You're going to kill me. You will seek after me and destroy me. That will happen. And you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. And he says to them, you are from below, but I am from above. You are of this world, and I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sin. That's a warning for all of us in this room. That if you live in your sin, That if you remain in your sin and do not believe in the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will die in eternal death. That you will be separated from a holy God for all of eternity. We're reminded of this from Ephesians chapter 2. When you're dead in your trespasses and sin, Paul says, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we have all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Is that you this morning? Are you walking and following the course of this world? Are you following after the spirit of disobedience? Are you following after the passions of your flesh? Do you understand the seriousness of your sin? That it separates you from a holy God. That there's this chasm between God and man that exists and it's called sin. And so he makes this warning to them in verse 25. They, they ask him, who are you? Who are you? And Jesus says, from what I've been telling you since the beginning, I am the Messiah. I am the one that closes the chasm between God and man. I am the one that brings the two together. That through my work on the cross, through my blood shed, I have covered your sin. I have covered the chasm that exists between God and man. And I am telling you the truth. That you won't understand, that you're not understanding who I am. So my question to you this morning, do you understand? Do you understand the seriousness of your sin? 
Do you understand that it separates you from a holy God? That if you remain in your sin, that you will die a, an eternal death. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sin. My questions are many this morning for us. Have you turned away from your sin out of the darkness into the light? Have you done that this morning? Have you believed by faith in Jesus who is the light of life? Listen, are are you currently living in unrepentant sin? Is there a sin this morning that you, you, you have not repented of and have no desire to repent of? And I would warn you that you're heading towards eternal destruction. You will die in your sin. That's the seriousness of the conversation that they're having. I know this feels weighty and heavy, but it's serious. That our sin will destroy us if we don't believe in a holy and gracious Savior. We must believe that we must put our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And this morning, I want us to heed the warnings of Jesus. I don't want us to underestimate the seriousness of his warnings. Like the warning that you're going to get punched in the mouth different ways and it actually happens. That's the seriousness of this, of, of this warning that Jesus has given. That this declaration that you will die in your sins if you don't believe in me. And you knew I was coming. You've known the Father. You say you know the Father. You say you know the words of the scriptures. You know I'm coming. That this is the promise and the covenant that's been established for all time. Here I am. And yet, you miss me. You miss the point. I want you to know this morning that sin will destroy you. Sin will destroy you. But there is hope in the gospel of Christ that if you believe, If you believe by faith, you will be saved. But what does that salvation look like? Look at verse 29 with me. And he, the Father, who sent me, is with me. He hasn't left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I rejoice. I rejoice that many believed. And if those people were in our churches, we would, we would want to des- and desire to baptize them and to bring them into the fold. And that we would move towards uh, getting them into uh, uh, following after what it means in the Lord. And so Jesus addresses them. Those who have believed. Which brings me to my second point. That is believing in a cheap grace gospel. Does not save you. Now maybe you're not familiar with the term cheap grace. So I'll explain it to you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. A German theologian. Wrote a book in 1937 called. The Cost of Discipleship. The Cost of Discipleship. 
in that book, Bonhoeffer defined cheap grace as the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. And if you'll notice in Bonhoeffer's definition, what is emphasized in cheap grace is really what is de-emphasized. The emphasis is on the benefits of Christianity without the cost involved. I can just believe my life goes unchanging, that I rest in a time where I confess that Jesus is Christ, And now I can live any way that I want to live, trusting in a confession that happened at some point in time in my life. And he says this grace is cheap. It's cheap because there is no cost. There is no sacrifice. There is no obedience. There is no change. So what does Jesus do with this? Verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. They answered him, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Well, obviously they forget that politically they've always been enslaved at some point in time. Whether it was Egyptian bondage for 450 years, whether it was the Assyrian bondage they were under, or the Babylonian captivity that they were under, or maybe even they forget their social standing where it comes to slavery, where many Jews were enslaved and bonded to uh, masters, masters of the masters that they served. But when it comes to religion, they believe they were freed men. They believe that they were freed men. But look at how Jesus responds to them. They were resting in a savior. They were resting in something that had been handed down for them generation to generation. And look how Jesus responds to them. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, to understand this, everyone, is to understand that these Jews thought they were superior over everyone else, over all the Gentiles, Samaritans, anyone that they came in contact with. They were superior. We have the faith. We have Yahweh, the one true God we serve. And he will save us. But Jesus says no. Everyone, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That's all of us. Everyone in this room There is only one person who came into this world free from sin who lived a perfect life and died a perfect death, and that is Christ Jesus, not you and I. 
no matter how hard we try, we will never reach perfection. Jesus goes on to say that the slave does not remain in the house, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Yeah, I know that you're offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me. Why? Because truly my words find no place in you. That's the problem, right? Outside, their outward appearance looked fantastic. They walked around in royal robes. They had phylacteries. They looked amazing. They had it all put together. And Jesus said they're whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, dead on the inside. My word finds no place. It's a heart issue, guys. It's a heart issue. Unless your heart is changed in your sin towards the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no change. Unless you can see the visual change in the fruits of what the Spirit wrought in your life, there is no change. My word finds no place in you. Do you see what happens from verse 30 to verse 37? Jesus deconstructs the idea that they really and truly have a saving faith. That they really and truly believe. There is no doubt in my mind, even though we're down in numbers this morning, that there are people in this room who have said they believe in Jesus, but don't have a real relationship with him this morning. And that's the warning that Jesus has given. He's saying that you think you believe, but I'm telling you, my word finds no place in you. And so my encouragement to you is to examine yourself. To examine your own heart in this. That you would examine your heart in this. Is this the truth? That when I believed, was there change? Was there genuine change? Was there an affection for Christ that, that even those who didn't know me before would recognize that I am different? Do I exude the fruits of the Spirit? Do I walk in holiness? Because if you're here this morning and you are under the Christian umbrella and you claim to be a Christian, but yet Christ has no, uh, there's no proof in your life that you are following after Christ. My encouragement to you is to examine yourself. To examine your hearts. To test your heart in this. Because that's what Jesus is saying to these people here. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. Verse 39. Jesus is going to go hard on them on this. This is not just the Pharisees and scribes and the Sanhedrin. This is a Jewish audience. Those who are commoners in the Jewish faith. He says to them, if you were really Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham. But see, the truth is, you seek to kill me. Your heart is that you would destroy me. Now, you're doing the works your father did. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We weren't born of sexual morality, they say. We have one father. Even God is our father. 
Because many in that day believed that Jesus was born of sexual immorality. And so they're basically turning its head. The irony here is that they're accusing him of being born into sexual immorality. And Jesus said to them, no, 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 if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here, not of my own accord, but because he sent me. Let me ask a very good question. Why is it that you don't understand what I say? Why, why are you not hearing what I'm telling you? And the answer is strong. It's not because you're not hearing it. It's because you can't bear my word. My word does not penetrate your heart. My word has no place in you. You aren't hearing what I'm saying because you cannot stand to change. Because it means it would break down all the walls of your religion. And it would cause you to have to do some really hard, sacrificial, self-giving things. No, not only can you not bear my word, look what Jesus tells them. You are of your father, the devil. This is hard, right? Jesus slams it down. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and a father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me, which makes you a father or a son of the devil, a follower of the principalities of this world. And for all of us who are not in the faith, that is us. That we fall under the condemnation of God because of Satan and the sin in our lives. That just like Satan, we speak out of our own character if we do not have Christ residing in our hearts. But there's a different way. I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? To believe by saving faith, by believing that Jesus is the Christ. That He is the Son of God. That he did take away the sins of the world. Do you believe this? Or do you follow after your own character? To follow the desires of the flesh of this world? No. When we get to the end, the top and tail here, the top is verse 30. Many believe. The tail here is verse 47. The reason why you don't hear what I'm trying to tell you is because you're not of God. You're not actually of God. That warning is for all of us here this morning to ask ourselves that question. Am I of God? Am I convicted of my sin? Are you convicted of your sin this morning? Do you abide in the truth? Do you abide in His word, word and know the truth of who God is and who, what Christ has done? Because if you know this, you will be set free, right? 
takes us to our third point. Abide in the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. Verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. In verse 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What this freedom is lent to is freedom to go follow after Christ, not freedom to go and sin. Freedom to go and pursue holiness and righteousness and flee youthful passions, as 2 Timothy tells us. That we would walk in the newness of life. So as we examine these few passages, there's five questions that I have for us as we examine our hearts this morning as far as abiding in the truth. My first one is this. Do you honor God? Do you honor God with your body, with your heart? Look at verse 49. They accuse him of having a demon, even being a Samaritan. Jesus answers, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father. Jesus was about honoring the Father. Therefore, we should be about honoring the triune God. That we would honor Him by walking in obedience. That we would honor Him by attuning our hearts to Him. That our worship would be of worshiping Him alone and nothing else. That we would seek to remove all idols. That we would seek to cast off all sin. So do you honor second question that I have for you this morning is, or the second question for this particular section is this, do you seek your own glory? Do you seek your own glory? Verse 50, Jesus says, I do not seek my own glory, but there is one who seeks it. Do you seek to glorify the Lord? Do you seek to glorify and honor God over self? That's the mark of a Christian. That I want to honor God. I want to seek to glorify God. That I want to trust God over everything else in this world. That I would honor Him and glorify Him above everything else. My third one is this. Do you keep His word? Do you keep His word? Look at verse 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, what? He will never see death. He will never see death. This means that we accept it by faith. That we walk in obedience to his word. That we guard his word. That we proclaim his word. That we preach his word. His word has to be essential in the lives of the, of, of the Christian. That's why we're trying to read the Bible together as a church. That we would be in His Word. Trusting in His Word. Do you desire to keep His Word? Do you desire to walk in obedience? Do you desire to accept it by faith and, and guard it and proclaim it? 
Fourth question is this, do you seek to know the triune God? Do you seek to know Him? Look at verse 55. But you have not known Him, but I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I'd be a liar. But I know Him and I keep His word. As we read His word, as we abide in Him, as we obedient to Him, as we understand right doctrine, as we hear the preached word, as we hear the word taught, as we pray together, as we fellowship with other believers, guess what happens? We get to know God. And the question for us is, do I desire this? Do I desire to know Jesus? Do I desire community and fellowship with other believers? Do I desire to read His Word? Do I desire to know Him? That's the marks of a Christian. That's the marks of a Christian. My fifth one is this. Do you rejoice in Christ and His gospel? Do you rejoice in Christ and His gospel? Look at verse 56. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced. Rejoiced that he would see my day. Yet he saw it and was glad. He rejoiced that the Messiah would come. As Christian, as a Christian here this morning, as someone who falls under the umbrella of a Christian, if you consider yourself a Christian this morning, you rejoice and revel in the gospel. Do you revel in the good news of what Christ has done for you? accused Jesus of man you're not even 50 years old yet dude how how in the world do you know Abraham he didn't even though Jesus knew Abraham he didn't have to know Abraham to know the foreshadowing of what Josiah read to us this morning from Genesis 22 where Abraham takes his one and only son the promised son the one from all nations would be blessed the one that the Messiah would come through, the promise that would happen from Abraham would be through Isaac. That would be through Isaac, as we, as we saw in Genesis 22. And Abraham takes his son as commanded by the Lord and binds him up and is willing to sacrifice his one and only son trusting in the promises of God. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying to, to these Jewish people here. Man, if you really knew Abraham, if you really knew my word, if you really knew the word of, of the scriptures, you would understand that it points to me, that I am the once and for all sacrifice. I am the one that will be, the Son of Man will be lifted up, and you will then know that it is I, the Messiah. It is a foreshadowing of the one that was coming. And if you really knew who God was, if you really knew the Father, you would know that that is a foreshadowing. The sacrifice of Isaac was only a foreshadowing of the once and for all true sacrifice of the Messiah. That would take away the sins of the world. 
We're going to read this in light of what Hebrews eleven thirteen says, that all these people st- died, meaning the heroes of the faith, Moses, Abraham, believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance, and they welcomed it. This is what they missed. There was a, there was a looking forward to a Messiah that would come. We're, we are providentially in this place and time in our lives where we get to look back at the Messiah who came. But for them, the promise of righteousness was looking forward to the coming Messiah. And they understood that they were foreigners and nomads here in this world because they were looking forward to the next. And so the question for us is, that we have to answer is a question that was asked in verse 53. Who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you make yourself out to be? Who are you? And that's the question for all of us to answer, right? Do we glory in the risen Savior? Do we understand that the Son has been lifted up on a criminal's cross to suffer and die a death that we deserve? That He has taken away our darkness so that He can bring us into His glorious light? Do Jesus' words find a place in you? Have you heeded the warnings and seek to glorify Him and Him alone? My question for you this morning is, do you stand in the truth? Do you stand in the truth? We know that Satan and all the people of this world that follow him do not stand in the truth. Scriptures tell us they don't stand in the truth. My question for you this morning is, do you stand in the truth of the gospel? And Does it mark all of your life, the totality of your life, inside of what you think in your thought life, in your outworkings of what's happened inwardly? Is it evident that you are a Christian who is seeking to glorify and honor Him and Him alone? And that's the question for us this morning. Over and over again, Jesus asks you to examine your heart before Him. And that's what I'm asking you to do this morning, is examine your heart. But I want to encourage you that if you're walking in the newness of life, that if you're abstaining from sin and that you're walking in a manner worthy of your calling, be encouraged this morning that God has done something in you that you couldn't do for yourself. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But Christ, but Christ gave you life. Gave you the light of life that you may see. Praise God. Praise God that he has done that for us this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder to to check our hearts before you. Knowing that our sins will destroy us. Knowing that even believing in a grace that says, I I believed one time, but now I, I, I don't have to walk in newness of life. I don't have to even go to church or read my Bible or any of those things because I've, I believed one time and I was baptized and I'm good. Help us in this.
that there is a there is an outward sign of an inward change. That our works are to glorify you. That we don't boast in ourselves. That we love love you and we love our neighbor in fullness and totality of who we are because of what you've done for us. So help us to be reminded of the gospel all times. To revel in it and not in ourselves. In Christ's name we humbly pray. Amen. As we continue to uh, sing another song, uh, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper together. And so while the... You're listening to audio from Pillar Church of Jacksonville, where our goal is to know Jesus and to make him known. If you have questions or want to know more about us, you can text Pillar to 94000 or visit our website at pillarjacks.com.